Welcome to Calvary Live. We are so glad you could join us through our podcast. Here at Calvary, we want you to live life at the highest level through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We hope today's message will be an encouragement. Let's keep going with this. I'm going to read first from Matthew 28. You can find your location there. And uh, I want to share a message today simply entitled, What's Next? What's Next? Uh, God has been doing so many great things here at Calvary. And there's one thing I know that's important. I have my calendar, but how many of us know God has his calendar? You know, how many have learned it's so important to be on his calendar and not my calendar? How many of you have come to recognize that God's timetable is sometimes different than my timetable? Have you ever thought God was late? <laughs> you know, sometimes he's worried me, but he's never let me down. Sometimes I thought he missed it. You know, when Jesus died on the cross, he said, well, that's it. But God showed up three days later and it wasn't late. He was right on time. And so today we're looking at this. I want us just to, to just think about, uh, understand and look at where we are individually and where we are as a church. Uh, I think it's so appropriate these guys doing this uh, human video in the life of Paul and watching his journey and what God did with him. I think it's important for you and I to understand God's plan for our life. I want to help you today to, 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 when I said God's calendar, let's think about it this way. I want you to understand God's purpose in your life. I want, let's back up a minute. Let's, let's look from a little higher vantage point and not just look at isolated events, but look at a continuum. What is God doing? What has He been doing? What is He doing now? What's He going to do? Where are you right now in this process of God working in your life? You know, being a Christian is not just coming to church every once in a while. It's loving Jesus every day. Amen? It's every day. This is a vital part of that Christian journey. The Bible's clear about that. It tells us don't forsake gathering together. It's, it's paramount. We do what we do. But this isn't all we do. It is a part of serving God and loving Jesus. And so it's important we, we, we understand what's next. Thinking about that, uh, God being a God of purpose, God having a plan. The Bible says God sees the end from the beginning. You and I can't do that. He sees the end from the beginning. And so what he's doing today, I want to help you with something. Wherever you may be, you may be in the greatest season of your life. You may be walking through a struggle. I want you to hear what I'm saying today. You're not through. It's not done. It's not over. God is taking you someplace. He's moving you to an intended future. How many are thankful God is in control, that he's moving you to an intended future? His word talks about purpose and direction. So we, we look at what we've just celebrated here at Calvary, uh, Easter, uh, the weekend before that Palm Sunday when we did whip, hammer, and cross, and, and just again visually and vividly witnessed and saw the love of Jesus to go to our cross and die for us. And then Easter Sunday, we celebrate the resurrection uh, and so, so as we look in scripture, what was next in God's plan? What, what happened from there? Well, you think about that. The total victory of the cross, the blood of Jesus shed, sins could be forgiven. Jesus raised from the dead. And, and, and this is what we read, Matthew 28. I want you to see this. We get this, but there's one step we often miss. But let's see. So what follows? What's next after the incredible gift of salvation, after the resurrection? Uh, the, the great news. What was next? Matthew 28. Most of the time, we jump here and we miss a step. All right? Matthew 28 and verse number 16. 
This is following the resurrection of Jesus, all right? This follows the resurrection. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, where Jesus said, I'm going to meet you there, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. Now, I want you to notice verse 17. Jesus has died on the cross. He's been raised from the dead. These disciples have seen him. They've touched his hands. They've seen the nail prints. He said, feel the scar in my side. They, they, they had seen him in his resurrected, glorified body. But verse 17 says, when they saw him, they worshiped him. But some still doubt it. Kind of shocking, isn't it? Then Jesus came to them. This is what we call the Great Commission. This is our assignment. This is the marching orders of the church. This is what we're to do. Then Jesus uh, came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. That's what we're here to do. We're here to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're here to bring men and women that are hurting and lost and searching into personal faith with Jesus. And it's not over. Then we teach and, and, and instruct and guide and make disciples and keep building the family of God. So we see that. But I, I, I want you to know there was a step. The what's next that actually came before go and tell. We need to see what that is today. Let me show you one more passage. Go to Mark chapter 16. Mark 16. There was something Jesus knew that we would need to carry out this assignment. To preach the gospel. To go to all the world. To make disciples. Mark chapter 16. Pardon me. I want to go to verse 14. Again, this is kind of surprising to me. Maybe it helps you a little bit. Let, Let me ask you a question. You don't have to raise your hand. Have any of you ever had to wrestle with some doubts about your faith? Have you ever had to wrestle? Come on, let's be honest. Let's get real. In this skeptical culture we live in, this inundation of lies and confusion, have you ever had, don't raise your hand, have you ever had to wrestle with some doubts about your own salvation, about the authenticity of Scripture? About the, is God real? Does he answer prayer? Come on, have, have you ever had to deal with, grapple with some of those things? You're not alone. Jesus knows that. There's an anecdote for that. We saw there in Matthew 28 that here Jesus said, after the resurrection, they saw his resurrected body. And while some were worshiping, some were doubting. We just read that. Now I want you to look here. Uh, it's stated again, Mark 16 and verse 14. Later, Jesus appeared to the eleven as they were eating. Now, look at this. He rebuked them for their lack of faith and their stubborn refusal to believe those who had seen him after he had risen. I mean, that's a little overwhelming. That's kind of not in our, uh, you know, rose-colored glasses look at these guys. And what immediately followed the incredible victory of the resurrection. Jesus rebuked them. Pretty strong words for their stubborn refusal to believe those who had been there and went to the empty tomb that day and had seen him and heard the angels. But the very next verse, look at this. So he he rebukes him in verse 15. He said to them, go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. So he says, you guys have some issues, you know. 
in our language, he would say, you've got some drama going on here. You've got issues. You've got baggage. You guys need to get it together. Oh, and by the way, go preach the gospel to the whole world. I'm going to boom, boom, back to back. So what was this step, this what's next? Jesus knew them. He knows us. We've been invested and entrusted with the greatest message the world will ever hear. That Jesus saves, that he forgives, that he loves, that he restores. We're going to need some help along the way. I won't turn to it now just for sake of time. But you know the encounter that, that Peter had with Jesus in John chapter 20. Where, where after the resurrection, Peter, who would, who would be the leader of the church in Jerusalem. But before he got there, you remember what happened in John 20? He says to some of the disciples, he says, look, I'm going fishing again. I'm going back again. Let's don't raise our hands. Let's don't point at other people. But have you ever had to deal with that? Man, I'm disappointed. Things haven't happened the way I want them to. You know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to go back to the way it was. I'm going to turn my back on Jesus. You know, the nation of Israel, think of it. Led out of Egyptian bondage, 400 years of slavery. Seen these 10 amazing miracles that God did to free them. And they hadn't been on the journey 30 days and they said, oh, we want to go back. We, we want to go back. Aren't we short-termed memory? They whined and cried and prayed and begged and pleaded, God, get us out of slavery. And 30 days after he answers their prayer, they want to go back. Come on, is anybody listening to me right now? Is there anybody here who is having, let, let me coin a phrase, let me think of what I would call it. Anyone here having spiritual dementia today? That you have been saved and blessed and forgiven and redeemed and set free and you have fallen down and bumped your head someplace. And you're actually thinking about going back. Come on, tell me the truth right now. I don't, you know, am I on track? Are we good? So there's something people like you and me and these disciples need. And we don't need to miss it. Jesus understood, are you listening to me? There's some things that only God can do. And we better let God do those things in us. Do you know what, what I love? God's not afraid to step into our brokenness and begin to bring us into a place where he can use us. God's not afraid to step into those places where we, we are weak, where we may be contemplating, making bad decisions, and do something so dramatic in our life that he gets us back on track. We need to know what that is. Well, let's go to Acts chapter 1. I'm just leading you through this this journey they took and and what he told them and how they arrived at the place to fulfill the calling on their life. They did. They made it. They got through their doubts. Can somebody say amen to that? They got through all their wandering around. Peter saying, I'm going to go fish again. I'm going back. Well, you know what happened if you remember John 20. They fished all night and how much did they catch? Can I tell you what's waiting for you back in that old life before Jesus? Nothing. Do you know what you're going to find when you go back? Nothing. You know what it's going to be like? Zero. You know what it's going to be? Empty. I'm going to tell you today, if you're here today thinking what you've left would ever be better than what Jesus has for you, let me save you some misery and some grief. There's nothing back there. There's nothing back there. Once you've tasted and seen that the Lord is good, I'm going to tell you, you can't be happy in that pig trough again in your life. It has lost its glory. Only Jesus will ever satisfy you again. But we need something. What's next? We need something. 
to help us in this journey. Acts chapter 1, beginning with verse number 4. This is what Jesus said to them. Following the declaration, go preach the gospel. All these things. He said, I want you to do that, but there's something you need first. Okay? If they did, we do. Acts 1, 4. On one occasion, again, this is following the resurrection, before he ascended back to heaven. Okay? During those 40 days. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Someone say command. A command is a command. We get that, don't we? He gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait. Now think of this. The entire world is waiting to hear the good news. Think think of this. Have you ever thought about this for a moment? Every Christian on the planet was in Jerusalem, Israel at this time. Have you ever thought about that? At this given moment. There were no Christians anywhere else in the world. The whole world was waiting for this good news. What he had told them to share was the most important critical thing that any human being had ever been entrusted with. And I'm not just talking about preachers and apostles and prophets. Are you with me? Every believer, someone say me. Me. Every believer entrusted with this incredible gift to share. But they're all there. And, and, and the world is waiting. Think of this. And yet, he says, you wait. You wait. Don't run out. Don't go yet. You're not ready. Don't go yet. You're those guys in Mark 16, stubbornly refusing to believe. Don't go yet. You're those guys in John 20 who are trying to go back and live the old life. Don't go yet. You're those guys in Matthew 28 who still are doubting everything I've showed you. He says, wait. What are they waiting for? So on occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait. For what? For the gift my father promised, which you've heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days, you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. There was something that was so vital that the world hearing the good news had to wait a bit. Because those men and women like you and I, on our best days, we're not everything we ought to be. Did you hear what I said? On my best days, my humanity is not sufficient to do what God put me on this planet to do. On my best days, my humanity is not enough to get me to the place for God to use me the way he wants to. But the good news is there's something that will get us there. How many heard what I just said? And the good news is he called it a gift. Someone say, we have a gift. It's a gift. You don't earn it. There's a gift. And there's something that God gave that early church. That the modern church tries to convince us is not available anymore. That's bad theology. But what you and I need to know, the same God who gave us the same assignment has the same gift awaiting for us today to enable you when you're doubting to get over that moment of doubt. To enable you when the devil's trying to pull you back in that old lifestyle to empower you to say no to that and keep moving on that journey. To enable you to be the person where you may be fearful in this moment but there is a work that God will do in your life that will enable you to walk through the moments of your weakness with the power that God can give you. I don't know about you but I need that in my life. I want that in my life. I need that encounter. So, so he told them that, that God's going to baptize you. Think of that terminology, that, that language. It's so powerful. We, we just last week, uh, baptized people. And, and it's beautiful and it's awesome. People came and, 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 and they, they were dry. 
And, and they walked up and, and they stepped into the baptismal tank and declared Jesus was Lord. And we baptized them in water. And they came up dripping, sopping wet and messed up the floor and got us wet and, and had to mop and made a mess. And there, there was no denying, was there, they'd been baptized in water. They were hugging family members and getting family members' clothes wet and sloppy. Come on, anybody with me right now? Say, where are you headed, Pastor? Well, I'm telling you, when you get baptized in the Holy Spirit, it starts spilling all over every place around you. You start, you start getting it on the people close to you. You start, instead of it being sloppy wet, it starts being holy fire. And something starts churning in you. And, and, and can I tell you the truth? It starts messing up religion. It starts messing up the status quo and filling up and, and your family that gets around you, they, they get touched with this. Don't look at me like I'm preaching something you don't know. It's, 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 it's the presence of God that overflows. It's not just a little, oh Jesus, get me through the night. It's not, I got doubts, you got doubts. Hey, let's start a We're Doubters life group. Don't join it, please. Are you with me? It's like, oh, I, you know, I, I'm confused about who I am. You're confused about who you are. Let's get together and be confused together. I don't know who I am and you don't know who you are. Hey, let's start a small group and call it the we don't know anything group. Hey, that's a great place to be. No, we need some people who didn't know who they were. And were confused about what was going on in their life. And didn't know how to get from here to there. But encountered a Savior named Jesus. Come on. Who said, I know in this life you're going to face doubts. You're going to face temptation. You're going to face challenges. The enemy's going to try to confuse you. But I have a baptism for you. I have a power gift for you. That's going to overcome your weakness and enable you. To be the person I've called you to be. Anybody still interested in what's next on this thing? <laughs> so, so it happens. Verse 6. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are, are you at this time? See, these, <laughs> it hadn't happened yet. These guys are slow. None of you are slow. I know this is, a, this is the smartest place in the world right here. But these dudes were slow. Are you with me? These, these guys, come on, I'm going to tell you. They came a long way. <laughs> they came a long way. So he's telling them all this good information, and right in the middle of it, it's like, have you ever, uh, let me try to, uh, teachers have seen this look, pastors have seen this look, speakers have seen this look, you're pouring your heart out and trying to do your best, and people are staring with you this, you know that blank look, you know they're not here, you understand what I'm saying, you know they're thinking about barbecue, what if they're going to eat for lunch, Anybody ever know what I'm talking? You understand what I'm talking about, don't you? I mean, they're looking, but they're not listening. That's these guys. And they became the leaders of the church. Evidently, something really happened. Because Jesus says, you know, hey, you, you, you don't leave Jerusalem. I, I gave you the great commission. You're Go preach the gospel to the world. But he said, you need to wait till you're baptized in the Holy Spirit. Instead of, you know, I would think, since no one had ever been baptized in the Holy Spirit, and he had promised me this, I would say, what is that? Tell me about it. How do I receive it? What does this mean? How do we get there? No, these guys go, okay, so when are you going to overthrow Rome and sit, sit on the throne here? That's, that's what they wanted before he died. He dies on the cross, sheds his blood. Their sins are forgiven. Our sins can be forgiven. He's raised from the dead. He sits down and eats with them. He rescues them from their failed fishing trip. And here they are again. And he tells them about this incredible experience. And they missed the whole thing. 
So when they met together, so now are you going to overthrow Rome? Now you're going to do the earthly kingdom? Because, you know, I know James and John want to sit on the right hand and the other hand. We've already been fighting about that. Okay. He said to them, verse 7, it's not for you to know the times or the dates. The father is set by his own authority. That's a pretty good word for all of us, isn't it? You know what he said? Would you let God do his thing? And you pay attention to what I've told you. <laughs> Will you let God decide when, where, and how? And let's do the pray thing. <laughs> let's do the obey thing. Let's do the serve thing. Let's let God be God. And why don't we just do what he told us? Then he says, look. He says, let the father handle the dates and time. You know that dude wrote that book. Some of you didn't even, weren't even Christians. You didn't know what Jesus was in 1988. But a guy wrote a book in 1987 that said 88 reasons why Jesus is coming in 1988. He missed it pretty bad, didn't he? We're still here. I mean, he knew the rapture's happening. 1988. That dude should have read Acts 1-7. I mean, it was right there. And he couldn't get it. But you know what's sad? He had a whole group of people all around the world following him. People sold their house. People were sitting up on the mountain somewhere just waiting. All their family going. Everybody that witnessed to it work. All the people that told about Jesus. And here, here's Goof and Goofball up there on the mountain somewhere. Sold their house. Got to go back and find a tent. Start all over again. Just read the word. Come on, somebody say, read the word. Okay. <laughs> hey, can I give you a little help? We believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I'm preaching on a baptism of the Holy Spirit. I believe God can do anything, anytime, anywhere. I believe he can use anybody, any place, any time to get that done. Anybody with me today? But God will never do anything that disagrees with his word. The Holy Spirit will never contradict the word of God. It doesn't matter what their name is, what their title is, what's before their name, what's after their name, what you felt or didn't feel when they said it. If it disagrees with the word of God, it's not God. Are we good? We're good. Come on. We're going to stand on the word. So here's the deal. Verse 8, Acts 1. He says, but this is what you need to know. This is the what next. What's next for all of us? But you will receive what? Power. That was what's missing. What do I need when I'm doubting? I need the power of God to get me through that moment. What do I need when I'm in fear and, and or temptations on me? I need the power of God to get me through that moment. He said, you'll receive power, okay, when? When the Holy Spirit comes on you, when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, like Jesus had told them, when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit. Then he says, I want you to notice this. He doesn't say you will be, you will, uh, Learn how to witness. He says, you will be the witness. You will be a witness. You become the witness. You become the message. You become the book that people read that don't have a Bible. You become the representation of Jesus. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. How many are thankful they took him at his word? Because we weren't here then. But somebody took that word. And somebody preached that gospel. And somebody was empowered by the Holy Spirit. And somebody kept preaching to somebody, to somebody, to somebody. Until you and I heard the gospel come on. And we're in this building today because somebody did what's next in this Bible. It's amazing. It's the what's next. It's what we need to see. Jesus knows us. He knows what we need. John the Baptist, from the beginning, this has always been his plan. I want you to see this. I want your faith and hunger to grow for this. John the Baptist, at the beginning of his ministry, 
And, 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 and here comes Jesus to be baptized. Jesus hasn't preached a message. He hasn't done anything publicly yet. And, and, and he says this. He says, I baptize you with water. But there's one coming after me who will baptize you. It's in Matthew 3. With the Holy Spirit and with fire. He said, that's the guy you need to be looking for. Jesus is the baptizer of the Holy Spirit. You realize that once we've accepted him as our Lord and Savior, that we can then be baptized in the Holy Spirit? That the power of God can be released in our life? That the Holy Spirit that came to dwell in us when we're born again? Aren't you thankful you were born again? How many are thankful you got a fresh start? That, that's the most incredible thing in this world to me. And so Nicodemus said, well, how am I going to be born again? And Jesus said, how? By the Spirit. The Holy Spirit enters you when you confess Jesus as Savior. And he lives in the life of every believer. How many heard what I just said? Who has the Holy Spirit living in them? Every single believer. Every person who's asked Christ in their life has the Holy Spirit living in them. But there's something that's next after that. You can be baptized in the Holy Spirit. You can be filled with the Holy Spirit. You can overflow with the Holy Spirit. It releases the power of God in your life. John the Baptist says that's the plan. Look at Luke chapter 24. Turn there with me. I want you to see this. Verse 45. This is what Jesus said heading up to this moment. It was a consistent theme. Luke 24. All during this time, he kept telling the disciples, what's next? What's next? What's next? I've died on the cross. I've been raised from the dead. You're about to go preach the gospel to the world. But before that happens, you need this power released in your life. Luke 24. Verse 45, I think I've established my, <laughs> my point with you. Let's look at this. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written. The Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You're witnesses of these things. Now watch this. I'm going to send you what my father has promised. But stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. That's the plan of God. That's the what's next in our life. Father, we want to do your will. We want to live our life at the highest level. We want to fulfill our purpose for being here on the earth. You know, it doesn't mean you have to stand in front of people and preach. It doesn't mean that you have to be able to lead a worship team. It doesn't mean that, that you, you're called reverend or pastor or doctor or elder or bishop or apostle or prophet uh, or teacher or evangelist or missionary. It means that you carry inside of you the spirit of almighty God. That you and I are walking, breathing vessels of God. Come on, how many are thankful for that? That what he's doing in you, he's doing through you. That if it's good for you, it's good for somebody else. And we have this incredible opportunity. And so, although His Spirit is living in us, that Holy Spirit wants to be released from inside of us. It's not just enough for me. It's a release of God's power to enable us. So they were transformed. They were radically transformed. Uh, Peter was transformed. When Jesus met him, the first time he met Peter, look at this. I, I love this. Jesus looked at him, and this is what he does to every one of us. I want you to grab this. This is what he does for every one of us. He said, Peter, you are... And he gave him a name. He said, but you will be. And he gave them the name Cephas. You're going to be a rock. He said, right now, you, you kind of get blown around by the wind. Anybody know somebody like that? Come on, I know nobody at Calvary's like that. You know what I'm saying? On Sunday morning, whoo, Jesus, I love you. I mean, they get a little dance on Sunday morning. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah, I love the Lord. They put their hands up. They shout. They praise the Lord. But, you know, 
Monday it starts going down a little. Tuesday it's going down a little. Wednesday they're getting drained. By Friday night they're dancing again, but it's not in church. (laughs) They're having a party, but it's not a Holy Ghost party. They're kind of like Peter when he first met Jesus. Just whichever way the wind's blowing. Whoever their friends are. You know what I mean? They don't change their friends. Their friends change them. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You know, on Sunday morning, they're prophesying and speaking in tongues. On Monday morning, they're cussing the boss. Come on. Come on, don't shout me down. Just, I, I know that's rough language, but somebody has to say it. You, you know, you know they're, they're, they're at church, Jesus, I love you. I serve you with all my heart and my life. You know, God, everything, you, you, you got everything, Lord. And then, you know, you know what I'm saying. I don't have to tell you anymore. And somebody walks by. Okay. I'll get back to you, Jesus. I'm not. <laughs> Nobody at work ever dreamed they went to church on Sunday. They don't sure don't act like that, you know. So what's the deal? What's the deal with us? The deal with us is at our best, we need him. At our best, we need him. At our best, we need to say, Jesus, if, if, if what's next for them was to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, it's what's next for me. If what was next for your church then, it's what's next for your church now. And Lord, we want that. We, we desire that. We, we, we want you to change us. How many of you have that passion? I have that passion. I know you do. I met Jesus. I was one way. And I believe that day he took me in. He said, George, I know what you are. But George, I know what you can be. Come on, how many want to get to that place? I want to be what I can be. I want to be what Jesus knows I can be. I want to be what he wrote down for me when I was still in my mother's womb. When he wrote a plan for my life. When he put all these details together and knew at a given point in a young man's life trying to decide what was next. Making decisions in my life in college that I would have an encounter with Jesus Christ that would radically change everything in my life I don't want to be who I am I want to be who he says I can be I want to go from where I am to who I can be I don't want to live in these limitations I don't want excuses I don't want alibis I don't want a support group to tell me it's okay to remain to be the person I was I want somebody to walk in my life and say I know who you are who are you now I know who you were tell me who you are now I want to have the kind of encounter with God where your friends say I want some of that stuff come on anybody know what i'm talking about i want to be the kind of person that when i go to work somebody said what did you bring to work with you today i want to be the person that when i go to school someone said what in the world did you bring in this classroom today you know that's the kind of people that god is looking for that's the kind of young people a lot of people you people everybody wants to debate you know gen x gen z millennials baby boomers busters all these people well you know we let people define us We let culture set the narrative. Can I tell you something? If you're 18 or 88, you need a Jesus who went to the cross and shed his blood and died there. And three days later, got up out of the grave. And if you're 18 or you're 88 and you really love Jesus, you don't need a dead religion. You don't need somebody telling you it's okay to be a victim and a martyr and a dropout and a failure. You need someone to say, I see who you are. But God sees who you can be And I believe in you I believe that in you I want to see that happen to you Let me go to Acts chapter 2 So let's see what he did that day This is the chapter people don't want to read anymore I'm going to read it loud and proud today Everybody else came out of the closet Let's pull a word out of the closet Come on Acts chapter 2 
Verse number one. When the day of Pentecost came, he said, this is what you're waiting for. Are we clear? We read four different occasions. Go there. Be there. This is what's going to get the deal done. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. This is this initial release of the Holy Spirit to baptize men and women in his power. This is what it looked like that first time. They saw it seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. Each of them. Did you get that? Each of them. Everybody in the room. There were 120. If you have a Catholic background, did you know Mary, the mother of Jesus, was there? I always love to tell my Catholic friends, do you know the Virgin Mary spoke in tongues? Yeah. Virgin Mary was Pentecostal before it was good to be Pentecostal. That's some preaching right there. They saw tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All right, look at the next thing. Each of them, verse 4, all of them. This is never selective. It's never just been for a few people. That's not how God works. He's just going to baptize the pastors in the Holy Spirit, please. He's just going to baptize the apostles and the prophets in the Holy Spirit. Each of them, all of them. Each of them, all of them. So all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Where did the church get afraid of something God does? Why would we be afraid of praying in tongues? If, if this is what God gave us when they were baptized in the Holy Spirit, I want it. I'm not afraid of anything God does. Somebody, somebody says, well, you know, how, how do I know it's from God? Well, how many times have you done that yet without him? I would think it's God. It only came when you asked God to do it. <laughs> He's answered every other prayer you ask him the way he said he would. And so why would we get shook up over tongues? That's religion trying to define something only God can do. Can I help you with something? Watch this. The reason that the Pharisees and the Jewish religion rejected Jesus is because their faith had become only rituals about what would someday be a reality. When the reality came, they chose to keep their rituals instead of what was real. Now, here's the challenge the church is facing today. Jesus came and fulfilled the rituals with his reality. Listen to me. But in the church today, the church today is trying to take the reality and convert it back to rituals again. I'm here to tell you, Jesus is real. The baptism in the Holy Spirit is real. Pastor, why would I pray in tongues? Because it was a gift God gave them. What's the value of praying in tongues? We're going to see some of this. The Bible says in one place, Romans 8, when you're praying in tongues, you're praying the perfect will of God. Man, I need that. Anybody need that? I need the will of God. You know what else? Jude says you're built up in your faith. Another place it says that you're being edified. I'm going to tell you, praying in tongues is not strange or different or unusual. It's praying, being enabled by the Holy Spirit. The whole thing about the baptism of the Holy Spirit is helping us to get beyond our human weakness. One of the things people are always telling me, I really don't know how to pray. God knew that, so that's why he gave you a heavenly language to help you pray. So what a gift. What a gift. Can we just establish today, Lord, if it's you, I want it. Is that fair enough? Can you just say, God, I want everything you have. Would you kind of just say that right now? Say that. God, I want everything you have. God, I want what's next. 
I want what you have for me, God. I, I want whatever you want to do. So, so we're looking at this now. Now, I'm, I'm going to just have to edit this. Let's drop down. So, so 120 people, stay with me closely. And this is, we'll have to stop here. They're, they're in the upper room. They're praying. The power of the Holy Spirit sweeps in. They're baptizing the Holy Spirit. As Jesus promised, there's a release of power. They're getting ready to go preach the gospel. And, and, and they've been getting praying in tongues. Let's drop down to verse number 12. Just follow with me. It'll be on the screen. Verse 12 in Acts chapter 2. Amazed and perplexed, they ask one another, what does this mean? A crowd gathered, what does this mean? Verse 13, it happened then, it'll happen today. Verse 13, don't get shook. Some, however, made fun of them and said, they've had too much wine. Well, I've been to church at some place. I thought they had too much wine, but not because they were celebrating. They just all passed out and went to sleep. Just looked like a bunch of dead people to me. But let's go on. So, so there was, what does this mean? That's why I'm preaching. That's why we're looking at the word. Verse 14. Then Peter stood up. Who stood up? Peter. Peter, The guy that denied Jesus three times. The guy that said, I'm going fishing again. The guy that was afraid of everybody in Jerusalem. The guy that cussed out a little servant girl because she said you belong to him. The guy who failed, 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 failed after the resurrection. The guy who blew it 13 different ways. The man who was fearful and ashamed of the gospel and intimidated and overcome with guilt. And you're telling me that dude stands up and preaches the gospel and 3,000 people get saved? What happened? He got baptized in the Holy Spirit. (laughs) This man had seen the cross. This man had seen the resurrected, glorified body of Jesus and had meals with him. And he was still doubting and thinking about going back. But in this one encounter, in that upper room, this fearful, doubting, guilt-driven man stood up in the face of the people who had frightened him and intimidated him. Come on. He didn't go somewhere else. Right in the place where he fell, the power of the Holy Spirit lifted him up and he declared the gospel of Jesus Christ. I don't know about you, but I want what that guy got that day. I need what that guy got that day. Maybe I should say that. We need what they received in that upper room that day. We need it. So, Peter... (laughs) Oh, 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 this is amazing. So <clears throat> Peter stood up with the 11, raised his voice, addressed the crowd, fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem. Let me explain. I am speaking fast on purpose, okay? Listen carefully to what I say. These men are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. Now, no, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. Come on. See, prophesy. This is what God had prophesied millennia before this day. This is the plan of God. This is the what's next. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Come on, how many are thankful we're all in this thing? All people. I like this. Anybody got prodigals in the house? And he got prodigals running around this place? Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Ah. My sons and daughters will prophesy. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. They're going to serve the Lord, preach the gospel. Come on, anybody with me here? Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. See, young and old need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. It's generational. It's multiracial, multigenerational, multidenominational. For all flesh, this is here. Even on my servants, both men and women, every socioeconomic level, I will pour out my spirit in. In those days and they will prophesy. Drop down to verse 22. Peter's preaching now. 
He's, he, he's going. He's anointed. This, this happened. Men of Israel, listen to this. Listen to this dude. He was afraid of a servant girl. Now he's standing in front of thousands of people. 3,000 got saved. Thousands of people who had yelled, crucify Jesus. Look at his message. Men of Israel, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. I mean, he's, this dude is giving them the business. Come on. This man was handed over to you by God's set purpose and foreknowledge. And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. Woo! Peter was not how to preaching, how to win friends and influence people. He was not doing this watered down, I'm okay, you're okay. He was not doing this fearful thing where the church says, well, we can't witness. We might hurt someone's feelings. We can't. It's not that I'm ashamed of the gospel. I'm just more sensitive. That's what that is. Like, fool me. I didn't know that. You're not sensitive at the Alabama game. You're not sensitive at Auburn or Eagle. You're not sensitive at Tunica when that slot hits. But we come to Jesus and we're sensitive. I'm doing my best. There's something about telling the truth that still works. <laughs> so what did they do? He says, you dudes killed him straight up. That's what happened. You killed him. You killed him. After God showed you he was real. Verse 24, but God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it's impossible ha, for death to keep its hold on him. Let me drop down to verse 37. Here's what happens when you tell the truth. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent, be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness, forgiveness of your sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. My, my. The promise, are you ready, church, is for you, those that were there that day. He says it's for your children. Now, modern theology would tell you it was only for the original group. But right here in the first instance, he says, it's for a succeeding generation. It's for you. Watch this. It's for your children. Come on. He's not talking now about distance. This is time and generational. And he says, and it's for all who are far off. You and I were in that sentence right there. Come on. Here we are. He saw us that day. For all who are far off. For all whom the Lord our God will call. How many have been called to Jesus? Come on. I want you to stand. Don't go. Just stand. Come on. We're going to pray together. Let's stand. Worship team, come on and join me. I kind of preached my introduction today. Come on, guys. What's next? Can I ask you a question? What if in your life, what if what's next for you is this right here? I want you to say to yourself, what if my what next is to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. What if my what's next is to have a fresh encounter with the Lord? Can I tell you, I talked about tongues. The whole purpose for being baptized in the Holy Spirit is not just to pray in tongues. It's to be empowered 
It's to be empowered with the Holy Spirit. But as you're empowered with the Holy Spirit, He begins to enable you in every area of your life. One of those things He did that's significant, that, that, that is a hallmark of this, is that you begin to be able to pray with the help of the Holy Spirit beyond your capacity. I want to be very, be very frank with you. I want you to hear me say this. I have prayed in tongues every day for over 40 years in my life. Every day for over 40 years. You know what it's done for me? It has strengthened my faith. It has helped me pray when I didn't know what to pray. It has helped my faith to grow. It helps me to be, it's edified me. It's strengthened me. It's given me a, an awareness of God in my life. Of him praying through me. It's literally the Holy Spirit praying through me. 1 Corinthians 14, check this out, says, When we pray in the Spirit, our mind is unfruitful. What does that mean? It means that for once in my life, come on, you know you need this. For once in my life, I prayed a prayer that was stronger than my mental ability. For once in my life, I didn't have to cycle through my intellect what God needed to do for me. Does anybody get that? Remember, remember where we started? They were doubting, doubting, doubting. What was tripping them up their mind? When you pray in the Spirit, (laughs) you go straight into the presence of God. Your Spirit is praying through you. My mind's not limiting things. That's why Ephesians 3.20 says, you know, that God is able to do, listen, think of the terminology. We don't connect this. Exceedingly abundantly above all you can what? Ask, think, or imagine. Well, how's he going to do that? Because I don't know how to ask for it. How am I going to get it? Because he said you have not because you ask not. Well, there's things God wants to do for me that I don't even know about and I can't even ask him. How's it going to happen? Because he's helping me pray. Huh? Are you getting this? Beyond my human limitation. And when the Holy Spirit is praying through any and every one of us, we're beginning to pray the will of God to fall, to happen, to come. So I want us to pray right now. I don't know where you are in this journey. Many, 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 many people here, you're already baptized in the Holy Spirit. That's why you come to this church. Because we recognize that. But others, you're on your journey. And so I, I want to challenge you to begin to say, God, whatever you have for me, I want that in my life. God, what's next is what I want. Anybody with me on that? Is that fair enough? Is it, can you trust God enough to say, God, anything you want, I want. Anything you have, I want. Will you trust him with that? Anything you have, I want, God. Anything that will enable me. To be able to pray and walk and be empowered. God, I want that. Maybe you should begin to pray. Everybody in this room. Because just because you were baptized in the Holy Spirit over here someplace. Doesn't mean you don't need to be filled again today. I do. I pray for that every day. So maybe we need to pray today. God, give me a new hunger. God, give me a new thirst. God, give me a new hunger and a new thirsting. God, give me a new awareness that you're not through with me. That it's not stagnant. I'm not over. So wherever you are in the process, I want to challenge you right now to step out of where you've been into where you're going. I want you to say, God, I want what's next. Will you do that right now? Right where you are. I want you to begin to pray. Now, many of you are going to pray this prayer. And I'm telling you what's going to happen. It's going to today and during this week, if you'll pray this every day, you're going to get baptized in the Holy Spirit. And you know what's going to happen? God's going to start helping you pray. Don't fight that when it begins to come. You've never spoken words you didn't frame yet. You like to say you do, don't you? Haven't you ever said something stupid and said, I don't know where that came from? Yes, you do. But we're about to be able to pray some things that God says let's pray. That the enemy can't stop or hear. Just release it. 
just flow in that wonderful gift of God. Would you pray with me right now? Come on, guys. Let's begin to pray. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus. Everyone here, would you pray wherever you are in your journey? If you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, would you lift your hands if you never? Come on, let's all do that. Let's let him look down on a place of surrender right now. God, I lift my hands. And I say, Lord, I want whatever you want for me. Lord, as the pastor of this church, as a man that's been saved over 40 years, I know this, I need you more today than I've ever needed you in my life. God, as a man who's preached a lot of messages and been a lot of places, I, don't, I know there's one place that's more important to me than any place I've ever been, and that's the presence of God. I need you, Jesus. I need you to baptize me in the Holy Spirit again today. Lord, I need to be filled and overflowing today. My wife needs a husband full of the Holy Spirit. My children need a, a father full of the Holy Spirit. My grandchildren need a grandfather who's full of the Holy Spirit. This precious church deserves a pastor who is full of the Holy Spirit. Lord, this nation is dying for a church that is full of the Holy Spirit. Men and women are struggling because they need to see the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, we don't need to just talk a witness. We need to be a witness. God, we say today, create a new hunger in us. Create a new thirsting in us. Create a new passion in us. God, help us to have the hunger and the thirst and the courage to say, God, whatever you have, I want. Whatever you have, I need. Whatever you have, I'm hungry. Whatever you have, I'm willing. Whatever you have, I'm desperate for it, God. Your word says we eagerly desire the works of the Spirit, God. Thank you, God. If you could transform Peter, transform us. God, you not only anointed him to preach, you anointed him to be. He not only had the ability to preach, he had the ability to love and forgive and get over shame and guilt and failure and fear and intimidation. God, that's what we need. We need to be who you called us to be. Lord, you saw us just like Peter. You said, I see who you are, but I say who you'll be. I know who you are, but I know who you can be. I know who you are today, but I know what I can make out of you. God, that's what we want. That's what we want today. Fill us with the Holy Spirit. Baptize us in the Holy Spirit. Baptize us in the Holy Spirit. Without question, without doubt. Release a fresh anointing in us, God. We need your power, not our power. We need your fullness, not our emptiness. We need your strength, not our weakness. God, we just come to you. We don't earn this. It's a gift. You give it. Just like salvation, you give it, God. You release it, God. Give a hunger, give a thirsting. Let your church begin to come to you and say, Lord, baptize me in the Holy Spirit. We thank you, God. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. You can connect with us live each Wednesday and Sunday through our social media pages. If today's message has blessed you, please rate and review us so that more people can hear this message of Christ. Find out more about Calvary on our website at calvaryassembly.org.